This is a podcast from the Business Times. The Lunar New Year is just around the corner. That means lots of food, chaotic family reunions, and for the lucky ones, ang pao money. From a few dollars for your neighbor's kid to hundreds of dollars from your in-laws, red packet money can add up to quite a bit, especially if you have a big family. So what are you going to do with all that ang pao cash? We decided to ask some of our co-workers. I have a couple of like big ticket purchases that I really, really want to do this year. A couple of bags. If my ang pao money is good this year, I might go ahead and just spend it all. I just give it all to my parents and they'll just do as deem fit. I've been putting it into T-bills lately because the interest rate has been quite good. I don't have much use for the money right now. And so I think uh, it's just a good idea to put it into investments and just watch the line go up. In the past, I'll just spend it all. But this recent year, I started to put my money into investment. And for this year, I'm definitely spending it with Bruce. Bruce okay being a cat man? Yes, he's my very little one. He's a little guinea pig. So other than myself, I need to invest on him and his medical bills. As a cat mom, I definitely relate. I pay the bills, get the best things for my furry one. How can I make the most of what's left though? There's not much, to be honest. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim. Joining us today is May Wong, Head of Client Experience at Stashaway. May, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. So, what about you? Ang Pao money, I'm sure you've received it. You're not in a position to give just yet? No, I'm still shamelessly receiving at this point. Great, great. So am I. (laughs) What do you usually do with it though? So I think for me, my process of using my empower money has changed over the years. So when I was younger, I would actually spend it all. And I think that was something to do with, you know, as a kid growing up, you get your allowance from parents and you usually have to ask permission from your parents to buy the things that you want to buy. So when you're given this lump sum of money at a young age, you know, it's the thrill and it's fun and you just want to buy everything that you can buy. So I would usually spend it when I was younger. But then once I hit my mid to late 20s, I had started working. I was getting a steady income. I had a little bit more sense in me than I, you know, I would maybe spend half and I would save the rest. Now that I'm much older... I have way more sense in me, hopefully. So I do actually invest everything. And that also, I guess, shows how my relationship with money has grown over the years. I'm not fixated on just spending and buying things anymore. I am prioritize more growing my wealth at this point in my life. So, yeah. Why do you think that's important, though, that people do that, think and plan about how they're going to use the money, yep. any sort of windfall they might get, right? Yep. Windfall in yep. inverted commas, yep. be it, say, the assurance package that the mm-hmm. government was nice enough to give us last mm-hmm. year, ang pao money that comes every year. So I'm a very firm believer in if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Having a plan actually provides a framework for decision making and it allows you to prioritize based on that. So say, for example, let's say I plan to put a down payment on property in five years. If I don't have a plan to work toward that, then, you know, if I'm someone who likes to go out for meals with friends like three times a week, I would probably keep that habit up. And then when it's time for me to put that down payment, I probably would not have enough cash or I would scramble at that point in time. And that would lead to a lot of anxiety and stress versus if I have a proper plan and I relook at my spending habits today, I'm probably able to cut back on certain things that I feel that I can maybe sacrifice for the longer term financial goal I have, which is to put a down payment on property. So that's why planning is very important. 
Mm. I'm always a bit confused because I grew up with my mom in my ear going, as long as the out is less than the in, you'll be fine. Yes. How come it's become so complicated now? What are some of the principles that we should be thinking about when we plan? That's a really good question because I also grew up with that mindset, right? But I think the reality is, and it's something that you and I cannot escape from, is that the cost of living in general is escalating. There was a recent article release where it said that inflation in Singapore touched 4.8% last year. And it's only going to increase from here, right? Because today, GST in Singapore is 9%. So, and I really feel it. Like when I go out and buy groceries now, my bill is suddenly so much more expensive. So saving itself is not sufficient. That's the reality of it. So you definitely do need to look for areas where you can actually put your money toward generating something that's much higher yield than the standard interest that the bank account might be giving you. So that means looking at options like cash management solutions. That means looking at options where you can grow your money anywhere from 5 to 10% on a yearly basis. So the decision on what to do with the money can never include what to buy. Uh, no, I mean, if you're looking at... Yeah. Wealth-growing investments yeah. to buy, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there are different things. I mean, people obviously have different interests, right? If you're someone who's interested in art and you want to buy art, that's fine. If you're interested in vintage watches and you want to buy vintage watches, that's fine. Wine, you know, that's also something for a lot of people. Obviously, these are very expensive hobbies. But I think at the end of the day, it's also really understanding whether what you're buying is a need or a want. If it's a need, meaning I have to pay this bill, I need to buy this computer because I'm a software engineer and this is, you know, my my bread and butter, that's fine. But if, you know, you're just casually window shopping one day and you see the newest gadget in town, you don't really need it, you just want it because it looks nice, maybe that's something that you can rethink or just kind of put it on the back burner for now. Also sounds like don't drink your investments, all right? <laughs> so, still to come, how do newbies make the leap to start investing? May spills the beans in a moment. The Business Times podcasts. Relevant. Incisive. Compelling content by some of the newsroom's most respected correspondents in markets, wealth management and current affairs. Available on all your favorite audio content apps and at www.businesstimes.com.sg podcasts. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. Welcome back to Money Hacks. We're here with Mei Wong from Stashaway. So, ways we can use our red packet money. I think, Mei, you've come with a step-by-step guide, right? So, give it to us. So, I mean, the first thing that we should all do, obviously, if you have not just red packet money, but any sort of lump sum that you get, is pay off any sort of high interest debts that you have. So, this might be your credit card bills, outstanding credit card bills. If you have student loans, if you have a mortgage, you know, whatever you can sort of pay off, do that first. The second thing is then put it toward a goal. So let's say, for example, you're an individual who has a long-term goal. Look, I want to buy a property. I want to buy a car. I'm going to start a family. So I'll need, you know, all these housing and utilities and stuff like that. Put it toward that. But you're, you're someone who feels like, you know what, I'm not ready to make that commitment. That's okay. As long as you have any sort of short-term goals that you can save toward, because ultimately, at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to build that discipline and create that habit of understanding what it feels like to invest, what it feels like to save. Then the next thing you can do is basically think about, should I invest, should I save, or should I spend? And the reality is, all these three need to coexist together 
for your lifestyle to be sustainable. So let's go through it, you know, step by step, right? Mm. When we talk about investing, so to invest is essentially to grow your wealth. Triggering your wealth, basically as you dollar cost average every month or every week or whenever the frequency suits you, the compounding effect of your investment allows you to basically grow your NASIC to a very comfortable amount and it helps you also work toward your financial goals. The third thing about investing is that for a lot of individuals, if you invest in dividend-yielding stocks or if you're lucky enough to have uh, real estate investments uh, that can also produce passive income for you, then that's where investing can really work to your benefit. Let's look at the second thing, which is saving. So what do people save for? People save for short-term goals, perhaps mid-term goals. So for example, there's a vacation you're looking to take. You have had the same mobile phone for the last five years and you're due for an upgrade. These are things that you can also save toward. Spending, why do we spend? Personal enjoyment. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all humans and it's human nature. In human nature, we do feel satisfied when we do put some money or take money out to buy an object that actually makes us happy. The one concept that we can all maybe practice is responsible spending. So that means going toward your health and wellness. That means going toward a course for personal development. So ultimately where I'm going is everybody's financial journey is different, but investing, spending and saving, they need to coexist for you to live a sustainable lifestyle. Because if you have one, but not the other two, it could potentially lead to you being extremely miserable. So having and finding that balance, it's quite tricky. But ultimately, doing what works for you, that's the most important thing. The last thing is, if you do want to start investing and you're a beginner, there are plentiful of platforms out there that can help you start investing. I think for a lot of beginners, the biggest hurdle is actually just starting because there's a huge misconception out there that you need a lot of money to make a lot of money. But the reality is, even if you start small, by having the healthy habit of putting in money every month, every week, that would essentially compound, ergo allowing you to make a larger profit in the longer term. Long run means how long? We're talking anywhere from five to 10 years. If you're able to, maybe 20 years, right? Because ultimately, that's what investing is about. We're not trading. Trading is a very different animal altogether. That's the other thing. It's also very, it feels very complicated. Yeah. Say if someone hasn't, right, is yeah. a beginner, wants to maybe. It's yep. also complicated, too much stuff out there. What kind of advice would you have for the uh, beginner investor? So I would say, number one, I understand right now in today's day and age with social media, there is a lot of noise. I think what a beginner should do is really, before you start anything, do your own research and really ask a lot of questions. If you're able to have access to a friend or family member who you know is an investor, don't be shy to ask them questions. Don't be shy to really drill down to concepts, to really understand concepts so that you can make informed decisions. At the same time, there are a lot of resources out there right now. There's things like Investopedia. Google is you know, right there at our back and call. Don't be afraid to just input whatever questions you may have. If you're able to talk to someone who's a little bit more of a professional, that would also be extremely helpful. The one thing that we're all guilty of is I'm sitting at the kopi tea, I'm having my kopi in the morning and I hear the uncle in the next table talking about the latest investment scheme and you're guaranteed to make 50%. That is extremely attractive. So I, I know. So those things do happen. So don't actually fall victim to all those things, right? Make sure that you do your research. And I know it's very, very scary, but what you can do is 
find platforms and find options where you're able to start small, maybe $10, $50, $100, get comfortable, understand how it works before you actually really fully commit. Boy, that was heavy. What are you going to do with as Lunar New Year comes round, do with your money, May? So I do have a plan to invest half of it. Into what? So I am a strong believer in ETFs, exchange-traded funds. So I will be putting some money into that because ultimately in the long run, the exchange-traded funds have really outperformed the market. So I don't see any harm in that. But that's my personal opinion. I am planning for a short vacation soon. So half that is going toward my vacation fund. How much red packet money are you getting? Not much. That's why I invest. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for your time today, May. No, thanks, Howie. Thank you so much for having me. We hope everyone has a great Lunar New Year holiday and reap bountiful red packet earnings. And before you hit the checkout on that shopping cart, consider some of the things we've learned today. I'm Howie Lim. This has been Money Hacks from The Business Times. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.